Welcome to Low on the Go, a podcast about all things on the go. This podcast will start off mostly in the travel space, but I'm definitely not trying to niche down too hard too fast. My goal is basically to encourage a life full of energy, exploration, and adventure. And honestly, I want people to feel a little less alone in the world. However, all of this may look in podcast form. I'll be talking about travel, on-the-go recipes, and taking care of your brain. So yeah, that means some mental health shit. And probably more. A little about me, I'm a 20-whatever-year-old who has traveled to just over 20 countries and has lived in four cities. I've learned a ton about the best way to pack for airplanes, how to travel cheaply but still be bougie as fuck, and I've met a lot of people along the way who know a lot more than I do, and thank God they've offered to be on this podcast. I hope you listen and leave feeling inspired and equipped to take risks, chase your dreams, and stay on the go. Until next time, XL Low. I'll say welcome back to Low on the Go, but this is technically the first episode, as Gwen so gloriously pointed out. Um, But this is the No BS Guide to All Things Travel, Healthy Eating, and honestly, figuring out what the fuck you're doing in your 20s. I'm obsessed with all things on the go, and I want you all to feel inspired and equipped to live a life full of adventure and exploration, and just to go out there fearlessly and follow your dreams. So... I've learned a lot during my time traveling. I've also met a lot of cool people that know a hell of a lot more about life than I do. So I am so excited for this first episode. Uh, I can't honestly imagine bringing on anybody better than my best friend in the whole world. Um, Her name is Gwen and she has been my best friend for the last few years. We met when we both lived in Lyon, France. She is extremely talented when it comes to languages. She speaks three languages fluently, even though she will say that she doesn't. She absolutely does. She has lived in three countries from Germany, lives in France right now, has lived in a couple of cities in France and also has lived in England. She's traveled to 10 plus countries. She is a Capricorn. We love astrology. Some of the things that we have in common include our love for Pano Chocolat. ABBA, oat milk lattes, and uh, Timothy Chalamet. So, um, <laughs> welcoming Gwen here. Um, Gwen, how are you? <laughs> Hello. Thank you for this lovely introduction. I feel like you summed up everything about us, basically, from oat latte to oatly. And yeah, I think you forgot eclairs. We did a big <laughs> hunt for eclairs in France. But yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. I'm excited to be here. And yeah. First time for me too on the podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. I for, how could I forget about eclairs? We had this whole thing in Lyon where we were on the hunt to find the best. Was it like a coffee eclair or just the best eclair in Lyon? No, coffee. Yeah, cafe eclair. Like just coffee ones specifically. I think we tried other ones, but we tried to find the best coffee one. Yeah. The best coffee, Claire. Okay, and I remember I liked the one by our apartment, and you liked the one. Yeah, that it was more was like by the square. The yeah, by Belcour. Yeah, I don't remember the name. I know where it is, and I can find it, but unfortunately, I can't tell the name from the store. But there were lots okay, of them. We al- was- yeah. We also got a lemon one there. Yes, it was the one by Belcour. I just forgot the name of Belcour because apparently it's been too long since I've been in Leon. <laughs> Just January. <laughs> January. 16th. I was just there in January. 
Whatever feels yeah. like home. Apparently, I need to go back. <laughs> yes, always. Lyon is always a good idea. Not just Paris, especially Lyon with all the food. It's amazing. I agree. We're totally flipping the script. It is always a good time to go to Lyon. <laughs> um, so yeah, just a little, a little bit of background. Gwen and I were both studying in Lyon in 2019, right before the pandemic hit. And we were on the hunt. Both of us were on the hunt for an apartment for like a month after we arrived. It was actually kind of horrible. And I did not see the light at the end of the tunnel for a while. And then we ended up somehow living in the same apartment in the center of the city. And absolutely, it like changed my literal life. Um, and I'm so glad we had to go through that pain in order to like find each other. So <laughs> yes, I, I agree totally. Um, I don't know about you, but I, before, I think I came in the end of August and for like three or four weeks, I stayed in a flat through my friends like another friend of a friend and there were like seven people living in a flat and yeah <laughs> let me tell you it was not a fun thing the toilet was next to the kitchen and so on so on some weird <laughs> girls living there so yeah I was on a hunt too and I saw this apartment I think I saw other ones before but they were so expensive and I was like oh no but then I saw this apartment I was like you know fuck it just do it and I took it <laughs> yes. and yes and glad you did it too yeah I think we met on like on the second day, I don't know, like, I think you were there before me. I think I, I booked it. And then I came, like, one or two days after. And, like, yeah, we were really lovely. Like, you greeted me on the door. I was like, yeah, hey, I'm Lauren. And, yeah, I kind of still remember it <laughs> as it was, like, yesterday or something. Oh, my gosh, same. It doesn't feel like it was, like, three years ago. But, oh, such <sighs> a crazy story with with where you lived before our apartment. Were you with... um? Shayna store were you at an apartment there or did you say it was like a friend no 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 it was uh as I said over like one of my friends Maya she had a friend Lucy like she knew a friend and then I got kind of like this apartment from like other French people living there but it was really cheap I think I paid like maybe three or four hundred so it was okay but the location was nice but yeah like just seven people and it was not just I didn't feel like at home you know and I was looking for other flats but it was so expensive I mean as you said the mark is really hard and at some point I was like yeah. okay I'm just gonna go with Shinestro you know they rent they pay everything and as I mean they organize everything and you just have to pay but yeah it was expensive like more than I normally pay <laughs> exactly yeah and I didn't even have this written down but we should definitely give an overview on what it's like to live in Lyon and what it's like Lyon specifically, because that's what we have experience with. But so I, I had a similar situation where this is how it always works. I had a friend in Seattle when I was living there who has a cousin who's living in Lyon. So <laughs> I, I also, I also was working for an international company and my lovely friend, Julia, she, um, she was working for the Lyon office. So I randomly had a couple of connections in Lyon as well. And so for the first like month and a half, I basically hopped between um, Julia and Ixel's apartment. So my friend and my friend's cousin and just like couch surfed. And it was kind of chaotic, um, but honestly like would not give it up for the world because I am still in contact with both of those people and absolutely adore them. So um, everything worked out, but if you are 
planning on studying in Lyon or, um, you know, just visiting for a longer period of time, there are a few ways in which you can, uh, you can find a place to live. Now, in, in all honesty, like Gwen, would you say that like 400 euros or 500 euros a month is pretty normal for the market there? No, definitely not. I think you don't think so? more. No, I don't think. I mean, depends on what you want. If you want to have like a tiny room with no window in like outside area, I think yes. Also, like we have to like we have to mention we lived in the city center, like right at Hotel de Vere and on like Presque Isle. I mean, of course, it's more expensive there, but I wanted to live in the center because then you can walk everywhere and it's just like more comfortable. But of course, you pay more if you go more outside the areas, you know, of course, then it's less expensive. But I feel like still at least 500 up more up to like 600 or 700 also what i hear from other people i think it's more like the average or like the norm in Lyon. yeah quite expensive i think okay okay that makes sense when i when i moved there i i visited this little tiny like the maid studio in the quarus and it was like 400 euros a month but it was also at the very top of the apartment so maybe that's why it was 400 euros a month even though it was a great location but we paid probably around closer to 800 euros a month I think eight or 850 because mm -hmm. we went through a, an agency called Shana store and um, it's a really great agency if you are coming from a country internationally if you're wanting to stay short term so less than like a year or even six months um, because in France, if you want to rent an apartment and you don't have a job, if you're there as a student, you need to get a guarantor that's in France, um, which makes it difficult for international students like Gwen and myself, um, because I mean, unless you have French family, it's, it's just a little bit tricky. So Shana store is definitely a great option. It's just going to be a little bit more expensive. And I definitely wanted to choose that over living in, um, in the dorms. What were those called? Do you remember? Oh, I think for me, they're just called student homes. I don't know. They were from the university, but they didn't even offer me one. Yeah. I think I was too late. I think for this, I mean, at least at Erasmus, what I did, you had to ex like um, get really early on and I wasn't. So I didn't even have the choice for like a student home, I think. But maybe it's different when you. Yeah, those ones were like 300 or 400 euros a month. Um, but it was basically like living in a student dorm kind of a situation. And I don't think either mm -hmm. of us wanted that. But that's something that you can look into through your university. They usually like give you that information in advance of the semester that you're uh, that you're studying. So um, anyways, that was <laughs> that was kind of our, our experience with finding a place in Lyon. But we're so happy. I'm so happy yes. that we went through Shana's store and ended up um, living together. Yeah, of course, and meet. I mean, we, we met it. through Shane Nestor, you could say, right? I mean, yeah. if we wouldn't have choose the apartment, like, we wouldn't have met. That's the thing. So it's it's always worth it, you know, like, or even the expensive money. Like, I don't care. Just that's how we met. <laughs> the apartment. 100%. <laughs> totally worth the investment because apparently Shane Nestor is also, like, the ultimate friendship matchmaker. So yes. two birds, one stone. <laughs> Also, like, we have to say, like, we, we had a good flat, I mean, weird, but also good flatmates, you know? It was, like, fun times. Like, the first group <laughs> yeah. we had, like, five people, like, two, two Frenchmen, one from Australia, one from America, and one German. That was, like, a fun, a fun combination, for sure. We covered a lot of geography in that apartment, let me tell you. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> Thanksgiving, we had like a giant Thanksgiving party with like 30 people coming from, I don't know, five or six different countries. And that was so fun for me because obviously it's something I do every year, but other people from other places don't have Thanksgiving. <laughs> so true. Well, yeah. To celebrate. For me, it was the first time celebrating Thanksgiving, but yeah, crazy, crazy evening. 30 people and just, yeah, <laughs> a small space. <laughs> a lot of calls to the cops. <laughs> For sure. No, but fun times. We had, we had good, we had fun times, fun evenings there. Yeah, that was really Absolutely. fun. So much fun. All right, so I listed a couple of questions that I have for you just because you're so well-traveled. You obviously speak multiple languages um and I think that you are just a great person to chat with to give advice on um on traveling on learning different languages on you know packing uh what it's like to be a citizen of the EU so um I'm gonna start with tips on speaking multiple languages because I think like especially as someone that was born and raised in the states where learning different languages is just not something that's as common as if you were raised in the European Union. Um, I think a lot of people are really keen to to learn like, hey, how can you go and immerse yourself and learn a different language? So you've lived in a couple of different places and I'd love to hear from you just some tips and tricks on how you, you're at a point where you speak three. Yeah, so I think I have to start with that I'm really lucky to like grew up in Germany because we're literally forced to learn different languages in school. You know, you learn at least two other languages for like a let's say 10 years, people literally force you to. So that's something. And if you kind of try and do your best, you kind of get the basics there, you know, and then you can go on further. Also, I was really lucky with my family because my mom, she's very Francophone. She speaks French, Italian, Spanish, and we traveled a lot. So for me, languages were always something that was around me. Like we spent lots of time in France or in different countries, and we always spoke different languages. That was like really common for me. So that mm -hmm. helped a lot. And so I think that kind of started my love for languages or like just get to know. And my mom really helped me a lot. And yeah, I think French was my first language. Um, so after German, of course, then French, but that was like harder. And after that, I think in high school, I started English. And I'm, I think I improved while like reading a lot in English. I started to read English books. I mean, I still do. I read more English books than German because I feel like, I don't know, I like it more. And then also like watching movies, I don't know, series. And, you know, today it's really easy to like watch Netflix and Amazon. You have the original, you know, language in English or American and you can do subtitle or even don't. And I think that was the way for me to learn. But then also the biggest thing is like traveling, you know, actually going to the country, you know, with like a mother tongue people and like speaking a language and forcing yourself to actually talk. Because I feel like no matter how much you read or good the grammar is, you know, you like you really have to be in, in the country and speak the language. You know, that's the easiest, you know, I would say that was my uh, like my biggest tip. Yeah. Go and try, get out there and just just speak it. That's so cool. And I, I love that that was something that you were raised in and you got a lot of inspiration from your mom and um, and even maybe some like you had the opportunity did you ever have the opportunity to speak to her and did you like do you speak to her in French and other languages in Italian or mostly German or oh yeah I mean how would you we, say um, this skill set was we spoke German I mean of course German but also we had like other friends so like at home sometimes we spoke English or we, if we had guests we spoke English with them and then um, we spent like I don't know I would say the majority of my holidays when I was a kid in France 
for like three weeks at a time we went to like mm. a little house or cottage so we spoke french there and also like, like other people so we always spoke a little bit of french we went to like um there's like one cinema in berlin that always shows french you know films or we watch them so she always encouraged me in like little bits or like even helping me with my homework you know then we spoke and like since i came back from lyon we speak a lot of french you know even if it's just a few sentences but we always try to do that and i think that helped me definitely you know if someone's there and encourages you and tries to speak another language with you although you could speak your own you know like your mother tongue which is of course easier mm. but yeah we did that i would definitely say so absolutely oh so cool that that that's something that you were just raised with i love that mm. so if if somebody is trying to visit another country but they have not learned the language at all they're a complete beginner or maybe you have taken a couple of classes in school or something like that <clears throat> how would you suggest they approach traveling to that country yeah i would say first of all don't be afraid you know um maybe look up some basic words even if it's just hello or like excuse me you know, these kind of little things and then just try your best because I mean, at the moment I'm living in France and I have colleagues and they don't speak French, you know, and they told me sometimes they went to the supermarket and they just tried to like show pictures or use their hands, just, you know, pantomime something and people understand you, you know, they're like really nice. If they see you try, they really want to help you, you know, and just then you can communicate. However, even if it's not through language, you just, you know, show the person what you want to say. And I think that's also a really fun way. And then at some point you like pick up the little pieces and learn the words mm. and, and you don't even notice. And at some point you speak the language without even trying too hard. That's such good advice. And I didn't even think of that when it comes to using different, using your resources and using different things like visual aids or um, you know, pointing at things. I, I always put so much pressure on myself of, oh, I need to know the word or, oh, I need to have the perfect grammar and put the sentence together perfectly. But like just putting yourself out there and getting creative with what you're trying to ask about or communicate is, is such good advice. So thank you for that. Yeah. And also I would say like, if you have a little bit of, of language knowledge, then in, insist on speaking the language because, you know, people, they don't even mean mean, but sometimes they hear, oh, we don't speak the language and then they switch to English. But then if you try mm -hmm. to be like, no, 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 hey, I want to try and speak French, just be patient with me and calm, then they really want to, you know, because first of all, they switch because they think they help you with it. But if you show them like, no, 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 I'm trying, please let me try, you know, then they actually help you. And they're like really happy to help you as well. And that you learn their language or you appreciate their language and culture. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely having persistence and... Um, showing eagerness to learn is, is so important. That's really, really good advice. Um, okay. Oh, another question. How would you describe your travel style? <laughs> Pretty much different <laughs> to yours. <laughs> I, different to I'm mine. not, <laughs> I wouldn't say I have like sort of travel hacks. I mean, I traveled a lot, so I would say I'm pretty good because I travel a lot, so I know what I have to pack and what I like. But let me tell you, I'm not a light packer or like a light travel <laughs> buddy. You know, I know what I want, but uh, I pack my suitcase to the fullest. So if I have 23 <laughs> kilograms, for example, for this trip or like this day, I have 23 kilograms, you know, and I'm really good at making 
most use out of that you know i'm not just someone who's like yeah let's you know leave some space i'm like no you know if i have to kilogram i use it which is maybe not the best tip i'm definitely not a life hacker <laughs> or like hacks but i'm actually pretty good at you know knowing like the liquids and stuff because when you fly often or you travel you know the rules you know no liquids and kind of that kind of stuff and for example you know i i'm at the moment i'm living in france for quite a while so i didn't bring a lot of like i don't know toiletry stuff or shampoo and stuff because i knew i can buy that here so mm -hmm. for me i mostly bought like clothes but yeah i love my fashion i love my clothes that's yes. kind of how i express myself so like i mean i still didn't take enough for my feeling but i mean i had a lot <laughs> of clothes with me but yeah before i left yeah i had had to leave some stuff behind that I actually planned on bringing but you know in the end it's also nice to have like a certain variety that you can just choose and mix you know and that's also fun you know even if it's not the whole thing you normally want but you know find the mix and fun in the things you have and just yeah mixing with it absolutely yeah and I I love that that's part of kind of how you travel and you love taking fun photos and you know, running around the city and having a really beautiful kind of aesthetic experience. And I absolutely love that about you. And I think you're, you're really good at traveling on a budget. You just know how to prioritize the things that are really important to you. And Gwen is so good at um, like cooking at home and putting together picnics and, um, you know, making the experience feel very, um, like homey but also really high quality and so you know if, if it's like hey we don't go out for that 50 dollar or 50 euro meal we can cook it at home and still have a really lovely experience by taking it to the park or you know like watching a nice movie or something like that and um but you can also bring all the things that you want and have the the experience that you like so that's really yeah that's nice that's it make the best of what you have you know Just see what you can do and then just make the best out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But speaking of cooking, I think it was funny because <laughs> normally I, I cook a lot and, you know, in Germany, like we're really lucky because like if you go to supermarket, it's pretty cheap and you can buy amazing stuff and mix that. Also lots of veggie and vegan. But now I'm like living in France and working in a hotel and I, I haven't cooked for like two months because I get the food here which is such a luxury for me because I'm a, big, big, I'm a big foodie. I love food. And, <laughs> and just, I mean, of course I love cooking as well, but just like having food ready for you, like lots of salads and veggies every day for me. That's like, I have to say, it's one of the biggest luxuries, you know, like it's, it's simple, you know, some people don't even think about it, but for me, it's like, it's such a big, big luxury, you know, to having like amazing meal and food and delicious. And yeah, I don't take that for granted for sure. Absolutely. You've, you've like told me so much about the food that you have there and how wonderful the chefs are. And I'm just having major FOMO. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're like eating so well. Um, I eat a lot, but, but well, lots, lots of, lots of veggies. <laughs> yeah. Like good quality food. And that actually, that leads me into a question that kind of just popped up in my head and you're going to hate this question, but also you're going to love it. If there was one French food, only one that you could eat for the rest of your life, and then you couldn't eat all the rest of them, what would the one French food be? It's kind of easy and hard because I have like two, two things come to my mind, but one is sweet and one is salty. But I think I have okay. to go. Yeah, I mean, I could also say both, but then I could also say which I want, which I decide for. That would be maybe fun. So that I'll give you mind. one sweet and one salty. Yeah, do you want to be okay? Two? 
okay so like my favorite food like even like it's it's french but even if we would have said not french is moule frites so it's like molds and fries that's okay i don't know but that's my favorite thing i love that since i was a little girl so that would be like the thing like people think it's weird like a lot of my colleagues they make fun of me but i'm obsessed with moule frites and for like the sweet stuff it has to be something like creme brulee i think i would choose some kind of vanillary caramel dessert i could eat these two things probably for like six six months and i wouldn't get tired of it. <laughs> like new nutrients like no veggies but i could eat that yeah <laughs> but no problem no veggies in that <laughs> hey you don't need veggies if you're that happy right you got more fleets and you got some creme brulee exactly exactly that's all what i need maybe a little bit of parsley on the top does that count <laughs> yeah maybe get some iron in there yes yes i mean i love broccoli too but like as a proper dish it's mostly just just molds and fries so yeah mm-hmm. i'm obsessed with that and here you get them for like pretty much cheap also like there's like one shop in another city and you get like a kilogram of molds and fries i think for like 15 euros which is not too bad what? but like imagine like a kilo of mussels it's like what the hell <laughs> but yeah that's i haven't tried it insane you haven't tried that yet no not the kilo i mean i've tried more fruit but not like the one where you get like a kilo i'm a bit scared but i have to try it at some point <laughs> see how far i go <laughs> The Mufrit. Okay, maybe you could do that tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We got Mufrit in Marseille and yes. it was delicious, but I don't think it was 15 euros for a kilo. <laughs> no, it's definitely more expensive. Yeah, definitely more expensive. Okay. All right. Great answer. I definitely, my stamp of approval is on both of those foods. I think that they're both amazing. So um great answer okay another thing this was Gwen's idea to chat about and I think that it's a really wonderful topic to talk about especially if you've met some of your closer friends while you've been traveling so Gwen and I obviously live in different countries I'm in New York uh which isn't a country but I'm in the United States (laughs) and Gwen Gwen lives in France um and she's working there right now so it's you know probably a couple of flights for for me to get there for her to get here and um we've we've managed a long distance friendship for a few years now and you know that comes with having to maintain you know good communication and um both of our lives have have changed a lot in the last three years so um just wanted to to have a, a chat with Gwen and um, just an open conversation about how we've kind of like maintained this, this long distance friendship. I, I know I've had friends where I've moved away from the city and I, like we haven't kept in touch. And that makes me honestly really sad. Um, Cause I think Gwen, you, you will relate to this when I say like, when I make a connection with someone, I, you know, want to keep it going despite the distance. And I think that I, I'm so grateful for you because you're definitely someone that wants to do the same thing. And you've done such a good job, a better job than I have at, at maintaining really consistent communication and being a really good friend. So um, just wanted to thank you for that and kind of open the floor to what your thoughts are. Oh, thank you. But I think you did a pretty good job too, like both of us, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a two way, you know, like it's not just one way, like we both have to. No, but I think it's really special, like for me, because um, I agree with you, like 
I think we both put a lot of like effort, you know, when we like someone, we put a lot of effort in there. Like my friends are really, really important. My friends are my family. And I would say I have like a few close friends, you know, and I'm really happy with them, but I really take a lot of effort to like keep that friendship, you know, and to ask the person how they feel and to keep in touch and see. But I think what's really special with us is that we spend more time apart than we spend together. You know, we lived mm -hmm. together and had like a really intense time in Lyon. But after that, you know, we haven't seen each other for a while and we just kept the friendship on through like FaceTime and Skype calls, you know, like throughout Corona times, we watched movies, we did workouts, but, you know, it's pretty amazing. I think that you keep in contact with someone who lives on a different time zone and continent, you know, like seven or six hours and it still feels so close. That's so special, you know, like mm -hmm. we are best friends and you're like the closest friend at the moment. And although we don't see each other, you know, in person. But I think that's really special and also a really nice thing because um, I wanted to talk about it because I feel like a lot of people, they just talk about, you know, that relationship in a romantic way, but also like mm. there's like friendship, you know, like a distant friendship, you know, that's over different, you know, time zone or countries. And it's also really, really special, you know, because um, you can share so much and I think that's the good part of like social media and all these you new know, technologies because of course there's lots of harm in that but for example for our friendship you know imagine not having Skype or FaceTime or like Instagram and stuff mm. like this because you know that's how you keep connected even through if you send each other like I don't know Capricorn or Taurus memes or like about the star <laughs> signs or whatever you know but you just you know keep in contact and yeah, I feel like we pretty much, um, like, we, st we, we stay in touch and we know what's happening in the other's life, you know, I feel like I'm there with you or you here with me and that's, yeah, it's, it's really special, you know, I, I, have, I haven't experienced something like this because most of my friends I, I met in my, you know, in my city or something like this and other people I met through, like, I don't know, when I did other exchanges or lived in England, it kind of, like, stopped at some point because, um, yeah, it's hard to keep in contact, you know, it's a lot of effort. But yeah, it's so worth it, you know? It's, I mean, it's so special to have a friend on the other side of the world, you know? That's so close, but so far away, you could say, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want to give you a hug right now. I'm yes. so sad you're like thousands of that, miles that's, away. That's the, that's the shitty part. You can't get, get a hug or something, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's through. I love what yeah. you... Yeah, it is, it is. But you are, Gwen, you're so talented at remembering the simple things in life and in a lot of ways you're kind of like my rock in in that situation and you always suggest you know doing a little pilates workout or like cooking something together and I can't tell you how many times I would cook lunch while she was cooking dinner and <laughs> <laughs> yes so many times <laughs> so many times shout out melissa woodhouse because you <laughs> were an integral part of keeping our friendship together <laughs> yes for sure for sure we did yeah i don't know how many workouts we did together or like even not together but like have you done this workout yeah probably like 50 or 100 i think that's so true we didn't even always do them together but we would check in and be like hey did you do this one because it totally kicked my butt <laughs> Exactly. You need to be like held accountable and like, shit, she done it. So I have to do it too, you know, to like, that was, yeah, good. And then the ones we did together, that was, yeah, really, really fun times. So much fun, especially during deep into quarantine. We, I think we probably talked like every single day and did like, 
Remember when we watched Killing Eve and we would do planks during the ads? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I think you, you forced me to. I was kind of not into it, but then yes. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a, yeah, like, I don't know if you say that, but like someone forces you, like, there's a German word for it, it says Gruppenzwang, you know, if like there's a group or like other people do it and you kind of forced to do it too because you're in the group there. <laughs> it's really fun oh, but it's like good pe- like peer pressure kind of exactly that's it yeah <laughs> but in a good way you know in a good way totally making each other better one plank at a time <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one plank at a time yeah <laughs> oh my goodness and what you said about um about long distance there being such a focus on on relationships and stuff like that and not on friendships I I, I think that that's something that's you know, being seen in, in social media a lot recently, I see things all the time about red flags and green flags. And it went from, you know, romantic relationships to like, these are, these are friendship green flags, and these are friendship red flags. And people are starting to, I think, see how important friendships are, which is, I mean, it's just, it's such a big part of your life and not something that should be taken for granted, especially if it's something where there's distance involved as another element. So like, I don't know all the all I love talking about relation or friend excuse me friendship um friendship green flags and just like the things that the little things that we've done kind of to to stay in touch and to stay in communication and and stuff like that so um yeah I think we definitely love to see each other at least like once a year so I went to Berlin for Christmas last year which was so fun to see you again that was my second Christmas with Gwen actually <laughs> two with the second one in Berlin with me yeah <laughs> if you so haven't nice. done if you haven't done German Christmas it's what like four days will you tell us a little bit about German Christmas because it's kind of the best thing ever yeah so I mean in Germany we celebrate actually the Christmas day is actually on the 24th I think in America it's 25th and in other countries too so the actually biggest day is 24th. So you have like, depending on what you do, you go to church and then you have like a nice dinner or maybe before some cake and coffee and then some nice dinner. And then there's like the 25th is the first Christmas day as we call it. And then you have more food and more food. You go to one family part. Then on the 26th, it's the second day you go to a different family part. You eat more, you eat and eat. And that's mm-hmm. basically it. But so like three or four days, you just, yeah, have time with family, celebrate. And it's actually Christmas. Christmas is for three days on, you know, technically 24th, but you do so much, oh, like three days. And yeah, so that's a big fun thing. And you have nice food. Um, yeah, rotkohl and like especially German. It's really, it's really meat heavy, I feel like. For me as a vegetarian, I mostly had like the side dishes, but they're pretty amazing too. So I, yeah, I'm just pretty happy about it too. Yeah, and Berlin especially has so many vegetarian and vegan options in the in the store, and um, so that's really really great for people that are vegetarian or vegan and still want to celebrate Christmas and yeah, yeah. the normal foods. That's it. We even even had like um, a vegan I don't know Christmas a turkey or duck something you know that was like made out of like tofu or something that's easy to find. Yeah, Berlin. I think Berlin is like the vegan capital, so you can find basically anything vegan or vegetarian there which is that's amazing yeah you can always use different things instead of like meat or fish exactly exactly yeah um along with it being a multi-day sort of holiday the foods are so different that you get from the states and one of my favorite things about german christmas is 
waking up well sleeping in a little bit <laughs> and then <Yes>. waking up <laughs> and Gwen and Gwen's mother and her sister are just the most lovely hospitable charming family that you will ever meet and they put together this lovely Christmas German breakfast that has these different cookies and types of breads and spreads and um, you know homemade tea not homemade but you know fresh teas that um, that are loose leaf teas and just really high quality and um, what is what is the name of that kind of more traditional the the breads with the spreads and the toppings oh, yeah. and things they're called uh, Brötchen you call them Brötchen so like okay. the, I think it wasn't like for us like we are back, like big breakfast people like of course on Christmas and special occasion we put even more effort but like we love a good breakfast you know especially on the weekends mm -hmm. like traditionally Germans you know like during the week you work but on the weekends so like Saturday and Sunday or like mostly Sunday you have like a big big breakfast you have like tiny breads they call Brötchen and then you can put on loads of different things cheese meat you know spreads what you just told us um basically mm -hmm. that's that's what we love to do and then just have coffee or tea and just really celebrating the breakfast you know it can be for like one or two hours and you chat and just have a good time and put as much things on the little Borgian as much as like, I mean I'm yes. kind of like this I always put them <laughs> in like different tiny parts because I can never decide you know I want to have lots of things on it so yeah that's what, I miss. that's what I miss here in France you know because they have baguette and like sweet stuff but not just like you know this like typical breakfast and especially the, the German bread you know which is yeah one of my my biggest passions in life <laughs> which sounds a bit Passion sad, for but... bread. <laughs> no it's about the simple things in life and I I love watching you you have such like a method for putting together the I'm not going to try and pronounce it I'm sorry I don't speak German <laughs> I, I no, need to learn Brot that Brötchen yeah. Brötchen <laughs> <It's not bad. laughs> sort of got it it's it's like a little teeny chessboard because Gwen is so talented at putting all these little like mini sort of taste testing flavors onto hers and it's just honestly a joy to watch. Um, you, you say that my family call me crazy. They always make fun of me, be like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you can call it a method. I'm yeah, I have definitely have a method of doing it precisely. <laughs> Love it. So, yep. Um, I did German Christmas twice. Highly, highly suggest um, if, if you have the opportunity to to celebrate Christmas in Germany. Um, celebrating Christmas in different cities all over the world is honestly something that I want to do for a majority of, of my holidays. Not even just Christmas, but, you know, the holiday season, November, December, January, that kind of a time frame. Um, and for sure, one of my favorites was was being in, in Berlin with people that are like family and it's just it's so festive and there's so many lights and Christmas markets too we don't really have a lot of Christmas markets in the states but you go to pretty much any city in Europe and you can get glue vine and so just like kind of hot mold wine in these cute little Christmas markets and go shopping and see different lights and things like that so um it's it's just festive higa kind of vibes especially in the north um yeah so, which reminds yeah. me of our trip to Copenhagen yeah when we went Co there and like December and then there were the Christmas markets and all over were like the cozy fairy lights and they're like really good with like making things cozy or like Higge as mm -hmm. they call it that was yeah that was also like one of my favorite trips but like three days but so nice such an amazing city and the people are like really cool and stylish so stylish 
so stylish oh my goodness Gwen what did you do you remember what you bought in Copenhagen because you were like on the style vibe when you were there oh my god I remember I bought like my one of my favorite like still to this day like one of my favorite beanies like a really light green color like fluffy Mm -hmm. yes and I think some earrings but like the beanie was like a thing I wore like for the next yeah like all the winters that came after still my favorite I love that beanie it's like a mint color yeah yeah so cute yeah, we definitely yeah. suggest Copenhagen. Um, going in the winter is nice because there are these really cute half underground sort of coffee shops, which I'm a sucker for. Um, definitely when you go there, get the get the porridge in the winter time. It's just nice and warming and healthy. Um, the only downside about Copenhagen in the winter is that the sun goes down at like 3.30. Um, True. Oh, yes. It was dark at like yeah. four. Pitch, pitch black. Yeah pitch black that was tricky um really good public transportation and like Gwen said everybody's so friendly and so cool um of course try and uh like learn the language but a lot of people there there speak English as well um and it is it also is it's kind of expensive we balled on a budget uh do Airbnb book in advance get your get your flights in advance and uh like go to the grocery store get some snacks and things, but um, generally speaking, Copenhagen tends to be a little bit more on the expensive side, as do all the the Nordic countries. Yeah, I would agree. They're nice, but they're like definitely more expensive than others. Yeah, but the happiest places, like on Earth, statistically, there have been studies done on how Denmark is the happiest country in the world. (laughs) They seem to be really happy, you know, with just really nice, friendly. I also remember like, I mean, in France, you know, it's like when you go to a cafe, like you basically have to wait until the waiter puts you to a table, you know, because he likes to have the power and like puts, uh, not in the power, but like, you know, shows you where you can sit. And in Copenhagen, I remember mm-hmm. we were like this big group and there was like this lady in a coffee shop and she just saw that we came in and literally asked other clients to like maybe move to a, like a smaller table because so then we yeah. could sit down, you know, it's like these little small things, but I still remember mm-hmm. it to this day because she was so friendly and like we didn't even ask her and she already did it you know because she was just nice and was like yeah hey there's a big group so I can put them there and ask the others and they were like yeah no problem whereas I think in France or maybe even in Berlin or other countries it's like oh no you know like we sit here and like that's it you know we're not going to move or like the waiter wouldn't help us you know even if we asked them and she just she just did it I think that was pretty amazing yeah that's so true and it's such a perfect kind of just based on that situation that scenario it's such a perfect combination of being really logical like hey there's some you know if these two tables move together then we can fit more people in but it's in a way that's very warm and community oriented and hey let's let's make room for more people to enjoy life and enjoy this meal and just be together Mm -hmm. exactly cool that's how it should be normally you know like think about others you know we live together everyone thinks of the other and just then we're happy in the end absolutely oh we need to go back we need to take a trip together again (laughs) yes maybe in summer maybe summer that would be nice like Copenhagen or like Stockholm in the summer it's also nice not just in the winter because I feel like I always see in the Nordic countries in winter time which is nice but also I think the summer is pretty special also like they have longer days you know like it's pretty much doesn't get dark that's also I think special and cool to see like midsummer that's so true that's so true okay 
We'll talk. We'll chat <laughs> about making it back. We'll make it happen. 100%. Um, we kind of went kind of on a little bit of a different path there, but I would say, like, if we can give maybe three kind of pieces of advice or three tips on how to maintain a long distance friendship, what would you say those are? And we can kind of like talk about it and agree on it and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think the the biggest thing is like keep in contact, you know, just mm-hmm. check in with each other and try to like, even if it's sometimes like two or three weeks or if it's daily, you know, just try to like keep in contact and see how the other is feeling, you know, and try to make that effort because I feel like to have like a close bond, you have to, at least for me, you have to talk and know how the other is feeling, what's going on in their life, that you've being a part of it and being close to it, you know, because if you can't see each other or like experience things together, you know, like it's nice to like relive through like, you know, someone tells you about it. I think that's like the first thing that came to my mind for sure. And then yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Share, yeah. And then just, for example, also like how we did like try to share experience, like doing workouts together, watching movies you know, as if we were doing stuff together in person, you know, what you do with your friends, just try to do Mm. that even through our Skype or like chat stuff, you know, because then you have things to remember, not just like you talk, but just like also like we remember now, oh yeah, look, we had a pretty good time and we were both alone in our apartment, you know, but we didn't Mm -hmm. feel alone. We kind of experienced it together as you do with friends, you know, stuff. So I think that's also a thing and yeah maybe the third thing would be also then like I think it's also important to I mean to see each other at some point you know mm. to I yes mean, of course we could survive without it but I think you know like seeing like that we saw each other then you came to Berlin or something you know and then try to see each other at least I don't know once a year I think it's also amazing I don't think like you know like if you can't keep up to it or like you know no, you don't know what life throws at you but it helps. It's maybe not necessary, but it helps. I think these are like the things that just came to my mind at the moment. Totally. Yeah, I 100% agree with all the three things that you said. And yeah, the last one tends to be a little bit tricky. And I mean, during like half of the time that we've been apart, we couldn't travel really to see each other anyways. Mm-hmm. Probably more than half, but... <clears throat> eventually I mean like I would I've only seen you once um since since we both left Lyon but I think eventually I'd love to travel to completely different places so you know yeah whether you come to New York or or I visit you in France that's super fun but eventually you know one day maybe when we're a little bit older and more established or maybe even not who knows we can meet (laughs) in Greece or we can meet in Indonesia or something like that um I think that that would that would be so fun and just like kind of some some more on like the practical side of things I think something that was really big was knowing each other's schedule so when when I first came back to the states like I started a an eight to five job and Gwen was a student she was working on her degree so um you know we we kind of had really different schedules and we were able to like during some weekdays say oh you know, I don't, I I don't have any client meetings. So what if we did, you know, an hour for my lunch, which would be, you know, seven o'clock in the evening for you. So we could do a lunch and dinner kind of a thing and have a quick catch up or, you know, um, prioritize each other for the weekend. And so just kind of knowing each other's schedule, maybe 
putting together a, a Google document that has like, like a Google calendar. That sounds really micromanaging and that's not my intention, but just <laughs> to kind of have a calendar of, you know, Hey, we're planning on talking this Saturday and these are maybe some things that we could do. Or um, like I said, Gwen is so good at putting together a list of, you know, Hey, if I'm going to watch a movie tonight or something like that, or do something I would typically do by myself or with a friend, maybe I can check in with my friend and see if, if they'd want to do the same thing. So I think that's like kind of a practical tip. And when it comes to seeing each other once a year, you know, knowing which month it would be probably the cheapest for you to fly. So oftentimes that's, you know, springtime and autumn time. So September, October tends to be a little bit cheaper to, to travel internationally. And um, yes, maybe setting aside a separate, a separate trip budget or getting a, an airline credit card. I'm super all about airline credit cards. In the, if you're in the United States, um, you can get points to purchase flights. Uh, you can use those, those points to get flights basically for free. So um, I have an entire blog post on that, actually. So if anybody is curious, check out lowonthego.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just, you know, from a high level, prioritizing, prioritizing the other person in the relationship, because I, um, I think it's quite rare to come across a friendship like this where we both feel really equal and wanting to, to maintain it and um, definitely not take it for granted. So um, yeah, those are our long distance friendship tips. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely agree with you what you said and the schedule. That's, that's a big part, you know, it's like to figure out and also have to like respect the schedule of the other and be like, okay, you know, if someone has a full-time job, you know, of course they can't just like hop on and be like, yeah, of course, or if they're tired, but somehow make it work and see the other person, you know, is willing to, you know, find a solution to and just talk with each other that, yeah, but the schedule is a big thing and a good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. I think I just have a couple of kind of like speed round lightning questions for you um, before we wrap things up. Um, the first being, do you prefer cold or tropical when it comes to taking a trip? <laughs> Definitely tropical. I'm a <laughs> summer girl. I'm a summer girl. I'm a beach, beach girl, beach summer. Yeah, for sure. Beach girl, Mamma Mia vibes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Give me a beach Mamma Mia song, some like, I don't know, bracelets and stuff. Yes, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. You and I obviously are both obsessed with languages. And so would you teach us one of your favorite words in German? Oh, I think I know I, what you're going to choose. <laughs> I know you. I know you which one, right? Schadenfreude. <laughs> it's yeah, it's called Schadenfreude. It's, it's actually a pretty mean word. It's like you're actually enjoying someone else's misery. But yeah, like, don't take it too hard. It's not someone who's like really misery, but just like if something happens to another person, maybe they deserved it or maybe they did something and it kind of, at karma, it comes back to them and you secretly, you know, enjoy them, you know, like suffering a bit. That's, yeah, schadenfreude. Because I think you, you don't really have to word in another language. At least I didn't come across it so far. <laughs> I don't think that there's a direct translatable word or version of that word in English. That's so funny. And I think it is meant to be a word that's kind of like lighthearted. So if somebody <laughs> trips and falls or 
exactly, something like yes. that. It's just like getting joy from that. <laughs> it is. I mean, the German humor. I mean, a lot of people say we don't have it, but I think it's just a very a dark, yeah, a dark humor. You know, don't take it too personally or like too serious. It's just, yeah, that's how we express sometimes ourselves because we really we have a lot of rules and strict, and then sometimes we're just a bit like, you know what just laugh about someone else falling down the steps if they're not hurt of course <laughs> <laughs> of course of course that's so funny yeah. I think my favorite so in Berlin there's like these these carousel things that have uh postcards with different German phrases in them but they're written in English so it's so confusing because you see the um, phrase in English and you're like what the heck <laughs> oh I know so, yes you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I know, yes. The postcards are my favorite. I love them. They're so funny. I have probably five or ten of them. And the one that I remember just off the top of my head right now, and now I don't know the word in German, but on the card it just says, I think it says, and now comes the salad. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's also so good. <laughs> I mean, it now comes explain the it, salad. It. <laughs> it sounds so weird. But in German we say, und nun haben wir den Salat, which means kind of like, you know, now it's now the shit is about to happen or like now the shit happened you know like a mess mess <laughs> happened you know I don't know why we say salad for it but it's just like okay now we have to figure out what we do because we're stuck in it we have a mess and there was a problem yeah <laughs> I don't know what we call it salad but yes that's <laughs> a pretty funny thing yeah <laughs> and also I, think it, I, I remember another thing um which is also other like for people confusing it's like I only understand train station you know, that uh, ich, yes, uh, ich that may actually makes sense because, you know, when you're on a train station and the, the train comes in or like back in the day, the train came in and it was just like really loud and you didn't understand anything like you couldn't hear. So that's basically what we say if someone talks to you and you don't understand what they're saying, not just like, like, you, you, of course, you can hear him, but you literally don't understand what they're trying to say. You just say, I only understand train station or Bahnhof because it literally doesn't make sense. That's, I only that's understand a funny train thing. because that's all you can hear. That's, yeah, that would make sense. That's so logical. <laughs> that's logical. That, that's more German. <laughs> There's some logic behind so it. Good. Oh my goodness. Okay. Amazing. Thank you for teaching us other languages. You are the best. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, okay. Next time it's German class. <laughs> German class, German 101. Um, Oh, one question, and this is like not really lightning round, but um, I think a lot of people will probably be curious about this. So when I move to France, uh, if I'm there for longer than 90 days as an American citizen in the European Union, so that's a lot of different countries in Europe, you know, that's Germany, that's Italy, that's Spain, uh, that's France, that's a whole, a whole lot of countries um, in Europe. Uh, if I'm longer, if I'm there for longer than 90 days, I need a visa. And it can be kind of difficult for me to get a visa if I'm not a student or not sponsored by a company. But Gwen, who's from Germany, now lives in France. You can stay in France for pretty much however long you want, right? Yes, that's the thing. Like, I can just move here. Like, I don't have to fill out any paper. You know, like, I moved here. And, of course, I had, like, a work contract and stuff. You know, like, if you want to get an apartment, as Lauren says, and but it's not necessary for me. You know, I could live here, I think, for like six weeks after that. And like the healthcare is just a thing. For example, my German healthcare, if I travel somewhere, it's like for six weeks. But after that, you have to get a different one. So that was something I got here or like I'm still waiting for the French one. But then you get a French healthcare system. 
But other than that, mm. you can basically live here. Like no one checks your visa. I mean, you're European citizen. You can fly there. Like it's amazing. It's a dream, you know. And so that's nice. basically for the whole of Europe, which is something, you know, like before you, like I never really talked. I mean, of course, I thought about it, but like um, now I really appreciate it because it's amazing and it's special. And I just get that for free, you know, and that's, mm. yeah, a big advantage. So cool. Oh, I'm so jealous. It is kind of similar, though. Like, obviously, all of Europe doesn't have states or they're separate countries, but I can, you know, move from New York to California and I don't need any sort of a visa. And, you know, the culture is super different. The language is the same, but um, or mostly the same. Um, but it's so cool in Europe that you could just move to a completely, completely different nation. And um, as a citizen of Europe, you can do that without getting any sort of visa. So, thought that might be a commonly asked question and that is how Gwen is living in France right now exactly um, of course you need some money at some point you know but I would say if you have the opportunity just you know do it you know live in another city because it's so easy you know why just do it even if it's just for a short amount of time or longer if you find a job and you can actually afford it but yeah even for traveling around you know just book a flight ticket and go and visit your country Absolutely. So you say, you say, just do it. If you're questioning, like if someone's questioning, should I, should I travel? Should I, you know, make the jump? What would you say to that? Always do it. You know, like if you, if you feels right, you know, because I mean, I'm really passionate and I think you too about like traveling. And I think I never took a trip was like, yeah, you know, maybe shouldn't have done that, you know, or like, was not <laughs> worth it. Like, like never, like True. always, you know, even if something happened or like some kind of difficulties, but like, I was never like, oh my God, no, if I would have stayed home, you know, it would have been so much better. Like, no, never, never happened to me. So that's I think, actually yeah. so true. I don't think I've ever had travel regret either. And even if like, even if you do go somewhere and it's not the best time in the world, you learn something or you meet someone or you try something new and that's, you know, being on the go, <laughs> not the circle <laughs> bag, but being on the go, you're never going to come back and be like, wow, I really, you know. Yes. I hope, I hope at least I, we've never experienced that of, wow, I really no. should have done that. And I think also like it shapes you as a person, you know, like if it's longer or shorter travel, but I feel like, you know, when you live somewhere and experience the culture, like a different culture, like you, you question yourself or your own culture, but like in a good way and you see, okay, other people doing differently, but also like how you adapt or like even maybe noticed your own culture or like your nation because you're outside, you know, like when you live in your own country, you don't notice it or like often you notice like the bad things but I think like for me living in France you know I see like the good and the bad in like different things in my own country my own country's organization in France you know I see the good and the bad parts but it's just so interesting you know to get out there sometimes also like take a step away from like home and family and your own city because I feel like sometimes when you come back it's such a special experience too like, I don't miss Berlin at the moment. I mean, of course, I miss my friends and city and family, but also I'm excited to come back after such a long time and appreciate it in a new and different way because you mm. took a step away and just left it for a while. And that's really special. You know, this kind of coming back is a very beautiful experience. Or for me, it was the last few times. That's True. also, yeah, something to like maybe think about. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a worthwhile investment. Mm. Awesome. Well, this has been just 
a joy and a delight. And honestly, this is stuff that we just talk about anyways. And so it, it was so nice that it felt like a conversation and I learned so much from you, things that I, that I didn't even know before. So thank you so much for being on the first episode of this podcast. Thank you. Yes. I mean, it just feels like talking to you as usual, as always, you know, of course, mic blinking sometimes, but yeah, it was fun. <laughs> And I hope people enjoy this and see how we talk and get a bit of our like dynamic and friendship. Yeah, which I really, I don't think it's a really special and fun one. Me too. Likewise, need to plan a trip to come see you soon. Well, yes, you have to. And I, I have to right. come see you too. <laughs> okay. Yes, you absolutely need to come here. All right. Well, if you, if anybody has any questions or anything on what it's like to live in Europe, any questions for Gwen, definitely feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm low on the go one, L-A-U on the go one. Gwen, do you want to give your Instagram? You totally don't have to. Mine's private, so it doesn't, it's probably not the best thing for like people who can't even follow me there, you know, but if they have ask, ask questions, you know, you can always, or like if they want to write me something, you know, through you, that's like totally fine. But yeah, okay. Instagram is private, so it doesn't bring much, I think. <laughs> True. <laughs> For sure. Go ahead and ask me. Um, but I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and are inspired to go out and travel and practice those languages that you've learned, no matter if you're a beginner or advanced. So thank you again, Gwen, for being on the podcast. And I hope to see you soon. Yes. Thank you. And <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye bye. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> ciao.